Grace, mercy, and peace to you this morning from God our Father, his beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who calls us into faith. In last week's message, we looked at what is the primary contributing factor to the powerlessness of the Church of Christ and what has caused the Church of God to become less efficient in her effort to win the world back to God. In that message, we said that the cause of this is the lack of prayer. In this, the church has come to resolve that by some random chance, coupled with her wisdom and ability, that things are going to fall in place some way or somehow without prayer. That the church can be effective without prayer. But amongst all of the things a believer can learn to do in this life, I think the most important thing is to learn, uh, to learn is how to have a successful prayer life. We need to learn how to pray. One day the disciples came to Jesus and asked him for instruction. They did not ask him how to heal the sick. They did not require or inquire about how to raise the dead, nor his secret on how he walked on the water. Instead, they asked him about something that is very insignificant in our day and age today, something that has been omitted out of many Christian lives today. Luke 11, 1, disciples came and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And I believe that one of the things that pushed them to ask him this question is, was because of his prayer life. They walked with Jesus and they watched him over and over and again as he communicated with the Father in heaven. And to watch also how successful his ministry became by doing so. And they didn't only watch it, but they marveled at that to the point where they came to him at this point and said, Lord, teach us how to do this because it seemed beautiful to them. So everything in our personal walk with God as well as our corporate walk as a church hinges on our ability to pray prayers that are heard and answered. To pray prayers that are heard and answered. Everything hinges on that. This passage from our second reading this morning has some important things to say about the matter of prayer. So permit me to speak to you in this on the theme, Steps to a Victorious Prayer Life. This is something that all of us need this morning. See, prayer is not an option. When it comes to the Christian life that we live, it is not an optional thing. You don't come up into Christianity choosing what you want and leaving out what you don't want. A successful Christian is one who comes and takes on the fullness of God. 
and to participate in the fullness of God, one of the essentials of that, in fact, primary essential of that, is prayer. We need to continuously be in fellowship with the Father. And one of the ways we do that is through our prayer lives. So the first thing I want to present to you this morning is to avoid forsaking praying. Avoid forsaking praying. In James 4 verses 1 and 2 read, What causes fight and curse among you? Don't they come from your desire that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Here James addresses people who are going after life. They are trying to get everything they can by any means they can. They fight, they curl, they kill, they war, they hate, in all an effort to get things they need or they want. From the inner desire comes all of this. We fight, we war, we hate, we divide it because we want what we want. And may I remind you this morning that this letter was not written to the world. James wrote this letter to the church. He was speaking to God's people <coughs> and using all of these verbs in the text, telling us that yes, you can be a Christian and still yet not live out the Christian life because you are following the passions and the desire that is from within you, which causes us to fight and causes division amongst us. And so Paul is addressing the church. This is not to the world. It is to the church, folks. How many times have we been guilty of the same thing? We operate within the realms of our own powers in the church. And we are not operating within the realms of God's power. It is all from within. It is us. It is what we can do, not what God is doing. We become carried away by our own desires. Your desire that battles within you is leading your life and is lording over your life. And God has no part to play in it. We have to walk away from this ideology and from this self in order to be able to do what God's will is for our lives. And the way to know God's will or to become empowered to do his will, one of the essentials is prayer. Prayer is it. And becoming more intentional about praying. Now we talk about prayer, some folk be like, man, what am I going to say to God? How do I pray? Well, you talk to God like you talk to a friend. You talk to God like you talk to a father. You talk to him from his word. You create and develop a relationship with God. And it's not talking about you going on your knees for hours and hours and hours praying, but it's talking about you going on your knees and praying to God 
about the things that concern you, and most importantly, the things that concerns God, that concerns you. And so we come to God with those desires. Our own inner desire prevents us from seeking God's desire because obviously seeking God's desire will mean getting rid of ours. If we seek God's will, we're gonna be getting rid of our own wills. And since we don't want to do that, we better not seek his will. Let's omit out of our prayer life, your will be done on earth. And let's just pray for our own inner desires to be met. So what is James saying to us this morning? James is saying that our desires always keep us from seeing the needs of others. Remember that. Our own desires will always keep us from seeing the needs of others or seeking the needs for others. Because it's all within. We always are concerned about how we feel and how we think, and how we think life should be like. And it's all up in here. We become intellectual Christians. It is all about what is in the mind. It's not from the heart. And God wants us to begin as Christians to look within ourselves, deep down within, from the bottom of our hearts. It's where he wants us to search, to make decisions, spiritual decisions, not rational decisions, but spiritual decisions that comes from deep within. It's where God wants us to look. And the way to do that is to commune with him. Philippians 2, 3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambitions, okay? Or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Value other. This is an instruction from God to us. And I know that sometimes these things can be very difficult to carry out, very hard to do, because ourselves stand in the way. And when self stands in the way, you don't seem to see anybody else. It's all about how you feel, what you want. You know, that inner desire has to be met. So we don't look outside of ourselves to see what God is doing in the bigger world. We're just looking at what we want. We become just like little kids, like babies. Babies are very selfish, you know that? They are very, very, very selfish, but very loving. Because when it's time to cry and they feel upset, they're sitting in a meeting like this, they start crying. They don't care about how anybody else feels about it. If they get hungry, they cry. Okay? And so God is saying we shouldn't be that way. We should look at what God is doing outside of ourselves. Forsaking to pray is sin. Forsaking praying is sin. It is a sin because... Prayer is a command in the Bible. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, God says what? Pray continuously. Pray continuously. I, I, I just can't see myself getting up in the morning from my bed and just walking away. I, I can't do it. I just cannot do it. When I slide off that bed right down on my knees, it's where I go. And thank the Lord for a new day. And thank him for the blessings that he has in this day for me. And also ask him to lead me in the path of truth. And help me not to walk in the ways that are away from his will for my life. 
And I ask him also to protect me from sin and the devil. And then I wake up from that prayer and I'm ready to start the day. That's how life ought to be. And throughout the day, there is a constant communication with God and me. Oh, how I thank, I'm thankful that my God is not a statue that I have to walk to and stand before and pray. Oh, how thankful am I that my God is not made of human hands and not placed in a certain location where I have to go and pray. Oh, how thankful I am that I can pray to him from anywhere because why he is present at all times, at all places. So I can pray to my God when I need to pray to him. And you can pray to your God whenever you need to pray to him as well. In Luke 18, 1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Always pray and not give up. Jesus gave them a parable to tell them, and you, you all know this parable Jesus gave in Luke 18. To always pray and not give up, he gave a parable to this situation. And he's speaking to us this morning because life would throw stuff your way to make you get discouraged. And I talked about that a while ago in a message where I said that the evil one brings problems in our lives to cause us to stop trusting God. Now Jesus in this, in this uh, discourse is telling his disciples in a parable how they should always pray and not give up. No matter what the devil does, let us not give up praying. Because that's our only way of escape from him. And because he knows that, he's going to stop you from praying. He's going to make you stare at your problem more than stare at God. But listen, our God is bigger than any problem that this world can give us. He's bigger than our problems. And every time your problem stares you in the face, you stare your God in the face. And you see how big he is. That's what David did, and he conquered Goliath. He didn't look at Goliath, he looked at God. And that's what we need to learn to do. This will keep us in prayer. There is just so much to be accomplished here at Holy Nativity Lutheran Church. There are souls in our to be won. How can we win them if we are not constantly in prayer with the Lord? Children to be reclaimed to Jesus Christ. A lot of kids have walked away from the church. Many of you sitting in church this morning, your grandchildren do not go to church. Your children do not go to church anymore. They've walked away from God. They're gone. How are we going to reclaim them if we are not people of prayer on our knees praying for them to be reclaimed and brought back to the faith? This is a problem that the church has today. Not just our church, but the church at large. And what the evil one is doing is plucking the kids out of the church because then there will be no one left in the next 10 or 20 years to turn things over to. And the doors will be bolted. And that's why the church needs to pray. One of the reasons why we need to pray. We need to pray. Life that needs to be changed are right here around us. These cannot be done without the church that prays. And this is the reason why our church gathers on the prayer line on Wednesday. Even though some of you have come on that prayer line and be like, what is this? This is not for me. Right? And you, you came to try it out. And it didn't look like something that you wanted, so you walked away from it. 
Friends, I must admonish you that we are one in the body of Christ, the scripture says. And if we are one, we need to be together. We need to pray together, sing together, fellowship together, worship together. Because this is one body united in Christ. And God wants to do things through our prayer. And he wants you to come on because the evil one will come in your life to destroy it. And the way we're going to be able to stop him from, from coming in is by coming to God constantly, continuously in prayer. So I'm admonishing those of you who stopped coming on the prayer line on Zoom to start back up again and make the evil one know that he, that he didn't win this battle. Jesus says, continue to pray and do not stop. Do not get discouraged. Do not get weary. And I'm saying the same words to you this morning. We just talked about how we need to avoid forsaking praying. Now let's talk about avoiding foolish praying. Let's avoid foolish praying. In James 4, 3 and 4 says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasure. That's what we want. We want to satisfy our desires. You adulterous people, he says, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with, against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Here, James addresses the issue of praying with the wrong motive. Here, he admits that they do pray at times, that the church that he wrote to do pray at times. He's admitting to this, but when they pray, their motives were wrong. Their motives were wrong. He's saying, in other words, that God does not underwrite our selfishness. He doesn't underwrite our selfishness. No. And so he's paying close attention to what we are doing. What James is talking about is prayer that does not even consider the glory of God. We pray prayers that don't consider God's glory at all. We say, instead of your will be done in my life or your will be done on earth, we pray instead, my will be done on earth as it is in me. That's the prayer we pray. My will be done on earth just as it is in me. Because we want our desires to be accomplished. We don't go to God and at the end of the prayer, like Jesus said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. But he says, not my will. Let your will be done. Do we add that phrase to our prayers as we pray? Not my will, oh God, but let your will be done. You know why? God's will is best for us. God's will is always the best. I don't care how desirous we may be about a certain situation in our lives. Whatever decision God makes for us is always the best. And that's why we say this phrase, God is good and all the time. We may not understand it, but he is a good, good God and he loves us very, very much. So when the worst thing happened to us, we don't go by asking, Lord, why? Why you did this to me? Why you allow this? God has a plan. That those plans, his plans have been worked out in eternity past. A long, long time ago, he worked it all out 
So he's not trying as the day breaks, God sitting there trying to figure out how he's going to run this day. The day had already been planned in eternity past. So you, a Christian, whatever is happening to you now, God had decided it then. And ain't nothing we can do about it but love God because he has a plan for all of us. And we may not understand it now, but it's going to be revealed to us when we meet him face to face. And it will be at the time you'll be like, right now you're going, ah. Then when you get me from the guy, you go, ah. Now I understand. And we will understand it better. The old songwriter says, by and by. But imagine if God give us everything we ever asked for. Imagine it. You know, I think our lives would be a mess if God was just giving us whatever we asked for. Our lives would be ruined. Think about it. Think about your kids. The little kids growing up, coming to you, they want this, they want that, they want this. Even the grown kids come asking for stuff. We tell them, no, no, you're not getting it, no. And the no is, is a loving no, but they don't understand it. They're getting upset because you said no. And she's, she's laughing. But the no is a good no. It's a loving no. And I try to tell my kids that. We love you guys so much that we're not going to just give you whatever you ask for because we know what you need. And that's the same thing with God in us. You're praying for something you know, and you think that it is bad and you want God to get rid of it, and God is not responding in the way you want him to, doesn't mean that God doesn't love you, folks. He loves you very much, and he has a plan. Like him taking Jesus and putting him on that cross, that was a bad thing. To let his son go and die on that cross was a real bad thing. But look at the good that came out of it. Because Jesus hung up high and was stretched wide, Look at us today. We are in Christ because of that. That's a good thing. But the bad had to happen first so that the good would come out. And so when we're going through trials and stuff, let's understand that God has a plan for our lives. But imagine now that God went and gave you all those things that you asked for. Just thinking about it, take a reflect. And imagine how messed up life would have turned out to be by this time. Okay, so notice that James says in verse 4, he tells us that being the friend of the world violates our fellowship with God and hinders our prayer life. He uses the word adulterous as a metaphor for marriage. All right, and he's just telling us that you can't love the world and love God at the same time. The two of them do not fit in together. You will either love one and hit the others. There is no balance with the world and God. And all of us can allude to that. I sometimes will feel my life drifting, all right? If I'm not praying, if I'm not in the word, I feel it, I know it. And now I have to bring my, my life back in line with God. You see, because you have to understand that everything we find in this physical world was birthed in by God. He said, let there be in there was. So everything in the physical world was birthed out of the spiritual world. And so it would be better to have your life linked 
in the spiritual world than the world that these things, than the world that is out here because this world was birthed out of the spiritual world. So we link our lives with God. And in doing so, we do it through prayer. We do it through fasting. We keep with God. So James is telling us to pray. And, and he's telling us to pray so that the glory of God will be seen in our life. And, and let imagine a man gets married to his wife, as James is talking about uh, calling the church adulterers. So a man gets married to his wife, and he's giving her everything that she needs. She walks out of the relationship and, and started to share her love with another man. But then when she's in need of something, then she comes to the man she got married to and asks him to provide. I don't know who's going to do that. It doesn't work in this world. All right? And that's what we do with God. We spend all our time in adultery as far as Scripture is concerned because Jesus is our husband and we are his bride, the church. And one day he's going to come to get us. So we know we are the bride of Christ. But then we're spending our lives in adultery in the world. And then when we need something, we come to God and cry to him to give it. And he's telling us, no, you are living in adultery. And because of that, I'm not meeting your need. Go to the man that you love. The man you're sharing your love with, go let him meet your need. Go to the world. And that's what we do, friends. That's what Christians do. We don't pray. We don't spend time with God. We don't do Bible studies. None of that stuff. We are all out there in the world. And then when trouble spikes, we run and say, pray. Pray for this situation to go away. That's what we do. And mind you, many of us don't get into the prayer. We don't become part of the prayer. Like coming and joining on the prayer line, let's pray for this. No, you send in a prayer request like, God doesn't want to have anything to do with me, so you pray for me while I sit over here and wait for a result. It doesn't work that way, folks. We are children of God. And prayer is an asset that is given to all of us, every single one of us, to pray. Well, when you and I were saved, we became the bride of Christ in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2. And in this marriage, we are to remain pure and unspotted from the world. Our lives, our love, our worship, our allegiance is all to Jesus Christ. And in order to keep it that way, we need to make sure we are not so much in the world and so less in the Word. We need to stay with God and be with Him. And one of the ways to keep that energy going is through prayer. The Word and Jesus do not ride together. Mixing them together provide us with lukewarmness. So we talked about how we need to avoid forsaken praying. We need to avoid foolish praying. Lastly, let's talk about how we need to adopt praying, a faithful praying. In James 4, verses 5 through 10, he says, Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. Look at that. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, moan, and will. 
Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. So when we avoid forsaking prayers and those foolish prayers, we can now learn how to pray prayers that are heard in heaven and answered in our lives. In verse 5 of this text, he talks about being sensitive. God jealously, he says, long for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us. He talks about being sensitive to the spirit of God because the spirit of God carries with him the desires of God. And so he's saying God jealously longed for his spirit he has caused to dwell in us. So he longed for this day when man will have his spirit living inside of them as we do now. God longed for it. And now we have God's spirit in us. The point is the church needs to become sensitive to the small still voice of the spirit of God in us. The world is speaking out so loudly that we cannot even hear God's spirit when he speaks to us so softly. And that's what we sing that old hymn song, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. He calls with a small, still, tender voice. And not with the loud noise that we're hearing around us. And we need to be receptive to what the Spirit of God is saying and doing inside of us. Every single person that has been baptized in faith and have God living in their hearts has his Spirit living in you. And the reason you don't see him actively involved is because you are not being sensitive to hear what he is saying at a given time. We're too caught up in the world out here. The second thing, verse 6, is be submissive. Prayer is not about us getting what we want from God. Be submissive. It is about us working, in, him working in us to line our will up with his will. That's what prayer should be. When we submit our wills to his will, it is then that we are ready to see God move in our lives. Just to line up with God's will. Because a situation may be happening in your life that may not seem right, that may not seem nice. But it may be right in the will of God for you and for me. And so praying for God's will to be done in our lives is the best thing. Because if that problem is not from God, praying in his will will allow God to remove the hurt or move that, that problem away from you as you pray for his will to be done. But let's pray for God's will and not the will of the evil one. Because the evil one is fighting for our lives. God is also fighting for our lives. So when we pray for his will to be done in our lives, God's power is going to usurp the power of the evil one. But let's make sure our prayer is in God's will. Let's pray in submission. In Luke 11, 2, it is the Lord's prayer, your will be done, it says. In Luke 22, 44, Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. In, in verse 7 of the text, he says, be steadfast. Prayer is a warfare, a warfare standing against the devil and to stand opposed to his will. Because the evil one is standing opposed to God's will and we need to stand opposed to the devil's will. And so we need to stand firm. It's being steadfast. Prayer should be a steadfast thing. It should not be an occasional thing that we do. It should be an everyday thing in our lives. We need to pray. In verse 8, he says, be separated. Come near to God. 
Wash your hands, you sinners. Come near to God. Because when you are praying, you need to draw near to God. That's the only way we will understand what his will is for our lives. If we stay out there in the world, and we're trying to call on God to help us out of the situations we are faced with, not knowing what his will is for us, it makes it very difficult. We are demanding him to do what is not in his will for us. But as we draw near to God, the closer you get to God, the more you understand his glory, the more you get to understand his will for your life. So God is saying, draw near. And as we draw near, God will draw near to us. I always give you the analogy of the sun up there and the earth. And sometimes it seems like the sun is moving, but the sun does not move. The earth is the one that's moving. And when it moves and we turn away from the sun, we get darkness. And when it rotates again and comes back around, we get daylight. So it keeps doing that. So while we have daylight here this morning, there are some people who are experiencing night because they are away from the sun. So the sun is not moving. The earth is. And that's what we do. We move from God. God never moves. He's always right there. Always there. He never moves. So the scripture is telling us not to draw away from him, but draw near to God. And God would definitely draw near to you because he's always there. So let's not separate ourselves from God. That this demand that in our prayer life, we must acknowledge sin and deal with it also. Scripture says, we cannot just walk in sin, live in sin, and not acknowledge it and deal with it. How do we deal with it? By the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We denounce sin. That's why every Wednesday evening we get on the prayer line, first thing we do is denounce sin. We pray and ask God to forgive us of all of our sins because the evil one used that to, uses that to accuse us and to bring accusations against us to stop our prayer life. God will not fellowship with sin, so we pray and ask him to break away habits in our lives that are not of him. We ask him to help us and forgive us of the sins that we have committed. We have to constantly keep our eyes on that issue because why? that's why Jesus went on the cross and died. Let us not forget that. He died because of the sin of the world. And the church must never ignore that. That was the thing that took him up on that cross. And so every time we get on our knees, let's acknowledge that we are sinners that can only be saved by his grace and ask his mercy. Because the Bible says if anyone thinks he has no sin, he's a, he deceives himself and the truth is not in him. In as much as we try to avoid sin, but we are sinners. So we still come to God and we must confess our sins and ask his forgiveness. All right? And lastly, in nine, verses 9 and 10, he tells us to be sincere. The whole point of these two verses is that we must take this matter of prayer seriously. In honesty, most of our prayer are done in a hurry. In a quick hurry. You know why? Because why the world is calling us. We look at our times. I got to be there. I have to get out of here. And you, you get on your knees and you're praying. And you're thinking about all this stuff you have on your schedule for the day. All right? And that happens to me sometimes I got to just slow down my mind and forget about this stuff and focus and pray to God. Because the world out there, I'm telling you, will pressure us and make us feel like it is more important to be at our schedules 
than it is to be on our knees. And this is why Martin Luther, the founder of the Lutheran Church, when he had the most busiest day, it was the time that he stayed on his knees for two hours. He prayed longer when he had a longer schedule to meet. And the reason why when he got out there to do those things, God just made ways possible for them to get done. That's how we trust in God and never feel trusting God. Sometimes we pray and we don't get an answer like we want it. Doesn't mean God did not hear you. He hears every time we pray. And you know what? He answers every time we pray. But the answer may not be in the way that we want it to be. And just because it wasn't that way, we shouldn't give up praying. Let's keep praying, knocking on heaven's door. And I pray that these words from God this morning will encourage you in your prayer life and keep you steadfast in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.